Welcome back in our uh, series about God's revelation to us through the book of Revelation and with uh, His Grace Bishop Yusuf. We finished the seven messages of the seven churches last time and uh, today we'll start chapter 4. Chapter 4 is a vision that was shown to St. John the Beloved and uh, this vision was also an introduction to the seven seals that we're going to start talking about in the next couple of times. So uh, chapter 4. Your grace. St. John saw a glimpse of heaven, <laughs> a vision about what's in heaven. And um, the first thing that he, he saw was someone sitting on a throne. So, uh, someone, someone sit sitting on a throne. Sitting on the throne. So, uh, what exactly did he see? I mean, here actually is very close to what he saw in chapter 4. Who was sitting on the throne actually is God the Father. Because as we see in chapter 5, the Lamb of God, which is the Son, approached it and he took the scroll from the hand. So what was on the throne, or who was, sorry, who was on the throne was God the Father. Which means the verse when we, we, we read, no one has seen the Father. We have to understand it, that no one knew the Father except through the revelation of the Son. No one has seen the Father, but the Son, the son who is in the bosom of the Father has revealed him to us. Because also in the Old Testament, Daniel saw the Father, because in the vision he saw one sitting, and then another one, like Son of Man, approaching the Father. Mm. So both cannot be the Son, otherwise would be the heresy of Sibelius. Mm. So, the one who is sitting on the throne is the Father here. Actually, the description that we see in chapter 4, the first thing he said, he who sat there was like Jasper and Sardis stone in appearance. That is the first description. The Jasper is a very, very transparent. And the Sardis is red in color. So, it symbolizes the transparency, symbolizes the love, the purity, the righteousness, the simplicity of God. And the red color, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he is a father, but the salvation is done also by the blood of his son. And Jesus Christ interceding by his blood in heaven before the Father. So these are the two colors, the, the jasper and the sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. The rainbow is a covenant that God made with Noah not to destroy the world. So it reminds us with the mercies of God, his covenant, covenant that of peace covenant of peace, of mercy, of life. Rainbow multicolor. But he said in appearance like emerald. Emerald is green. You know, so how, how a rainbow? Green is color of life, like the plants, and, you know, when it's green. So here this rainbow, you know, look like green means a promise of life. To, to the whole world, and it's around the throne. Mm. 
And Satan is very deceiving. The, uh, the rainbow of the homosexual, homosexuality lacking one color, you know? So it's six color. And, and, and that's why it's not the rainbow of life. It's the rainbow of death. But here the rainbow around God, which actually full colors and give the, the like emerald the rainbow of, of life. So that's the description of the Father sitting on, sitting the, throne. on the throne. Then in, uh, in verse 4, he says, Around the throne there were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. So those elders, uh, who are they? You know, in heaven, the angels are different ranks. So we have angels, archangels. We have 24 priests. We have the four animals or four incorporeal living, uh, incorporeal living creatures uh, that has a face of animals. So li like in this picture, you can see how the 24 sitting on thrones around the throne of God. Mm -hmm. So these are the priests. That's why they are carrying censors. They are raising incense. And also the incense is the prayer of the saints. They are, their function is to lift our prayers before the throne of God. Because priest is presbyterus, means intercessors. So these are interceding on us. And they have on their heads crowns. Although St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 said that uh, men, when they pray, they should not cover their heads. But we say the priest, the, when they wear the Tailasana or wear Al-Amma, um, it's like that is a crown of priesthood. Like in the Old Testament, Aaron had this turban that written on it, holy to the Lord. And in the New Testament, we see the crowns of the 24 priests. So there is no contradiction. It's, this is not a covering of head, but it is a crown of priesthood. And the white garment, purity. That's why when we approach the altar, yeah. we're also vested in, in white uh, tunics. The number 24 is, is an important number. What does it symbolize? You know, the church is symbolized by 12. 12, 3 by 4. 3 trinity for the whole uh, world, mm -hmm. north, uh, south, east, and west. So the church bear testimony to God in the whole world. Testimony to the Holy Trinity in the four corners of the earth. And we know there is Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Old Covenant to have the 12 tribes. The New Covenant, we have the uh, 12 disciples. So the 24 number here symbolizes the church of the Old Covenant and the church of the New Covenant who bore or are bearing testimony for the Holy Trinity in the four corners of the world. And then we see, like actually we see in the picture here, we see the, uh, in verse 5, there out of the throne proceed lightnings and thunderings and voices. And then there are seven lamps. So uh, what do these things mean? The presence of God 
when he appeared to Moses, the Old Testament. So this lightning and thundering and, and voices, they are symbols of the uh, presence of God, mm. his glory. And there is a message God here is sending to all of us. So the, the lightning symbolizes the promises of God. Mm. Because lightning usually precedes rain. And rain is a symbol of blessing. Yes. So these are the promises of God to the righteous people. Mm. And the thunders, loud noise. Yeah. Loud noise. So these are the warning to the un ungodly people. And the voices are the uh, resolution of God or the judgment of God uh, toward both the blessing toward the righteous and the judgment toward the, the ungodly. And the seven spirits are the Holy Spirit with its seven powers or seven functions as we read in, in Isaiah. And also number seven is the number of perfection. Mm. So now actually in chapter five when the Lamb comes, then we have the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Father on the throne, and also the, the Son of God like a Lamb uh, standing for the throne of God. Then in, in verse 6, there is something very interesting. To get to God before the throne, there is a sea of glass. And I know the fathers of the church like talked about that sea of glass. <laughs> in order to enter the, the promised land, they crossed the Red Sea. Mm. In the tabernacle of meeting, there was basin for purification before entering the holy and the holy of the holies. Mm. And in the temple of Solomon, this basin became like a sea. Sea of brass. Uh, yeah, okay. sea of glass. So what is this sea of glass here? That's actually our baptism. That's why in the, the northwest part of the church, there is a baptismal font. Mm. So in order actually to cross to, to, to God actually, we need to, to be baptized. Why? The baptism is a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. We cannot actually stand before God without believing in Christ and being baptized. And it says sea of glass like crystal. Mm -hmm. Crystal is, is transparent, mm -hmm. is pure, which symbolizes the repentance. So this sea of glass, as it is, it symbolizes the baptism, but also symbolizes the repentance and confession, which the Father called the second uh, baptism. Mm -hmm. And the crystal reflects light. light. Mm -hmm. So it reflects the glory of God. So we will appear in glory because, you know, once we are baptized and we live the life of repentance, the glory of God will be shining also in us. So we can say that the, the sea of, uh, of glass is like being baptized and fulfilling our baptism or completing our baptism. By, by everyday repentance. repentance and sacrament of confession. So after that, it says there were four living creatures. 
and sometimes we call them the four incorporeal creatures, the four animals. Uh, so what are those? <laughs> these are angels. Hmm. And from the rank of the cherubim, and they are carrying the throne of God. Hmm. We read about them in Ezekiel uh, chapter 1. Hmm. And they are full of eyes symbolizes their knowledge and they have actually six wings as we read in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1 mm. two actually uh, the over their heads yeah to cover their heads like this so the throne of God is, is resting on, on this mm. and then with two actually stretching their hand to as if to connect with each other, this, like Ezekiel, how to describe yeah. it. So as if they are flying and moving, Together, yes. and, and the two actually, they cover their, their feet. He said, uh, one uh, like lions, other like calf, third like man, fourth like eagle. But in, in Ezekiel actually say, actually each, each one of them has the four faces. Mm. Not only has one face, but four faces in each creature and these four faces symbolizes four aspects about our Lord Jesus Christ the lion he is a king face of calf is our redeemer sacrifice man the son of man who became man and eagle the son of God and they say the four evangelists are symbolized by these four uh, creatures. So the face of uh, man symbolizes Matthew, mm -hmm. who spoke about Jesus, son of man. Mark uh, spoke about Jesus, the king. So the lion symbolizes uh, Saint Mark. Calf, Luke, because Luke spoke about Jesus, the, our redeemer, the sacrifice. And John, uh, Jesus, son of God. So the eagle is a symbol of John. But these are those who carry the throne of God. Uh, carry the throne of God. And is that, is that anything symbolic about the Gospels and the throne of God? The, or the, um, does it have any significance about this? Like God is carried on his word? Or I think the four Gospels reveal to us, because one Gospel will not, reveal everything about who God is. Mm. Although the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call them synoptic Gospels, so they are similar to each other, but also they revealed more than one aspect about, about God. So as the, the four incorporeal creatures carrying the throne of God, and God is the Word, but here we speak about carrying the throne of, of, of the Father. But also these four evangelists uh, carried for us the word of God who came uh, to redeem us and who became man like us. Although he is God, uh, the son of God, the father in heaven, and he is came to establish his kingdom uh, and to deliver this kingdom to God the father. Also, in chapter 3, the Lord said about those who overcome, they will be seated with me in my throne as I sat 
with my father on my throne. So if we say the four incorporeal carrying the throne of God the Father, also the Son, because he is seated with the Father in his throne. That's why in Hosanna Sunday we say, he who sits upon the cherubim uh, today entered into Jerusalem. So there is no contradiction between saying they are carrying the throne of the Father or the throne of Son, because the Son is seated with the Father, as he said in uh, Revelation chapter 3. The, the next part, when, uh, when it talks about the praise that these four incorporeal creatures uh, sing to God, and this is very close to our liturgy. <laughs> in fact, it's uh, sometimes word by word. So, and what's the significance of this praise? The, the praise started from the throne of God. Mm. Then it spread to the 24 priests. And then actually, as we see in, in, in chapter 5, spread to the all angels, mm. and then to every creature in heaven, on earth and under earth. Mm. You know? So in the same way, you know, in the divine liturgy, when Abuna says, is starting the anaphora, uh, meet and write, we see how the, the praise of God starts from the altar and then spread to, to, to the Holy Church. And we say almost the, the same words, holy, 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 uh, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is what we, sent, uh, we chant uh, in the anaphora, who was, who is, and who is to come. This is the beginning of the reconciliation prayer in St. Gregory liturgy. And here we can see also how, in, you know, like the deacons chant anti-funarium, so they say one verse and they respond to them. So the four incorporeal creatures chanted, then the 24 priests responded to them and said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and uh, by your will uh, they exist and were created. Let's say, uh, meet and write. You are worthy, it's fitting, it's proper mm -hmm. to praise you, to glorify you, to worship you, to hem you. And uh, here they worshiped God, and uh, they, they uh, removed their crowns before the throne of God. Uh, and like when we read the gospel, or at the beginning of Anaphora, actually, when the bishop is, is praying and, and wearing his, his crown, at the beginning of the Anaphora, he removes the crown to the end of the liturgy. He, can, he, he cannot wear the crown like here. Uh, with the Anaphora, they removed their crowns, and also with the reading of the, of the gospel. And worshiped in, in liturgy, sometimes we worship while we are standing, bowing our heads, or uh, prostrating completely before God. So again, the liturgy took the image of, of heaven uh, that was revealed to us, mm -hmm. and actually we live it in every divine liturgy. Actually, something beautiful too, at the end of the chapter, when the 24 elders started singing, they sang or they praised God, because for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So. 
The same thing as what we're doing in the liturgy. We are praising God because He created us and, and saved us. By whom He created all things visible, visible and invisible. Exactly. No, so literally, word by word, word, word is taken here in, in our anaphora, which actually is said with holy, holy, holy. Yeah. And it looks like this is a theme in the Bible in general, that we always praise God first of all because He made us. <laughs> yes, and because He made us out of His love. Right. God is not... He's self-sufficient right. when he uses terminology. <laughs> he does need us. Mm. But why he created us out of his love? Mm. Like why couple, uh, you know, after they get married, they won't have children. Right. It's love, uh, no, nothing else. The love to their children, even before they have them, mm. that actually what made them have children. At the same time, why God created us? Because he loved us. So when we thank him for, for he has made us or created us, this implies we know that you love us. Otherwise, why, why did you create us? You created us because you loved us. Yeah. Actually, that's exactly like what St. Athanasius said in the, on, uh, in the, on the Incarnation when he said that God is good, he's the source of all goodness, and he's not grudging. And that answers the question that we always ask, why did God make us if he... He knew that we were going to fall because he loved us and he yeah. wanted to give us a chance. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sayyidna. And uh, thank you, everyone. So this is the end of uh, chapter four. This was the heavenly scene that uh, precedes the, the seven seals. So next time uh, we will talk about the seven seals. Thank you and see you next time.